0: Chapter 10 of The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 10 The Find Old Hank Bunker in Disguise. After breakfast, I wanted to talk about the dead man and guess out how he came to be killed, but Jim didn't want to. He said it would fetch bad luck, and besides, he said. He might come and haunt us. He said a man that weren't buried was more likely to go a-haunting around than one that was planted and comfortable. That sounded pretty reasonable, so I didn't say no more. But I couldn't keep from studying over it and wishing I knowed who shot the man and what they'd done it for. We rummaged the clothes we got and found eight dollars in silver sold up in the lining of an old blanket overcoat jim said he reckoned the people in that house stole the coat because if they'd a know the money was there they wouldn't a left it i said i reckoned they killed him too but jim didn't want to talk about that i says now you think it's bad luck but what did you say when i fetched in the snakeskin that i found on the top of the ridge day before yesterday you said it was the worst bad luck in the world to touch a snakeskin with my hands well, here's your bad luck. We raked in all this truck and eight dollars besides. I wish we could have some bad luck like this every day, Jim. Never you mind, honey. Never you mind. Don't you get too pert. It's a-comin. Mind, I tell you, it's a-comin. It did come, too. It was a Tuesday that we had that talk. Well, after dinner, Friday. We was laying around in the grass at the upper end of the ridge and got out of tobacco. I went to the cavern to get some and found a rattlesnake in there. I killed him and curled him up on the foot of Jim's blanket ever so natural, thinking it would be some fun when Jim found him there. Well, my night I forgot all about the snake, and when Jim flung himself down on the blanket while I struck a light, the snake's mate was there and bit him. He jumped up yelling, and the first thing the light showed was the varmint curled up and ready for another spring. I laid him out in the second with a stick, and Jim grabbed Pap's whiskey jug and began to pour it down. He was barefooted, and the snake bit him right on the heel. That all comes of my being such a fool as to not remember that wherever you leave a dead snake, its mate always comes there and curls around it. Jim told me to chop off the snake's head and throw it away, and then skin the body and roast a piece of it. I done it, and he eat it and said it would help cure him. He made me take off the rattles and tie them around his wrist, too. He said that would help. Then I slid out quiet and throwed the snake's clear away amongst the bushes, for I war not going to let Jim find out it was all my fault, not if I could help it. Jim sucked and sucked at the jug and now and then he got out of his head and pitched around and yelled But every time he come to himself he went to sucking at the jug again His foot swelled up pretty big and so did his leg But by and by the drunk began to come and so I judged he was all right But I'd rather been bit with a snake than pap's whiskey Jim was laid up for four days and nights then the swelling was all gone and he was around again i made up my mind i wouldn't ever take a hold of a snakeskin again with my hands now that i see what come of it jim said he reckoned i would believe him next time and he said that handling the snakeskin was such awful bad luck that maybe we hadn't got to the end of it yet he said he'd rather see the new moon over his left shoulder as much as a thousand times than take up a snakeskin in his hand. Well, I was getting to feel that way myself, though I've always reckoned that looking at the new moon over your left shoulder is one of the carelessest and foolishest things a body can do. Old Hank Bunker done it once and bragged about it and in less than two years he got drunk and fell off the shot tower and spread himself out so that he was just kind of a lair, as you may say. They slid him edgewise between two barn doors for a coffin and buried him so, so they say, but I didn't see it. Pap told me. But anyway, it all come out of looking at the moon that way, like a fool." well the days went along and the river went down between its banks again and about the first thing we done was to bait one of the big hooks with a skin rabbit and set it to catch a catfish that was as big as a man being six foot two inches long and weighed over two hundred pounds we couldn't handle him of course he would have flung us into illinois we just sat there and watched him rip and tear around till he drowned we found a brass button in his stomach and a round ball and lots of rubbish We split the ball open with a hatchet and there was a spool in it Jim said he'd had it there a long time to coat it over and make a ball of it It was as big a fish as was ever catched in the Mississippi. I reckon Jim said he had not ever seen a bigger one He would have been worth a good deal over at the village they peddle out such fish as that by the pound in the market house there. Everybody buys some of him. His meat's as white as snow and makes a good fry. Next morning I said it was getting slow and dull, and I wanted to get a stirring up some way. I said I reckoned I would slip over the river and find out what was going on. Jim liked that notion, but he said I must go in the dark and look sharp. Then he studied it over and said— couldn't I put on some of them old things and dress up like a girl? That was a good notion, too. So we shortened up one of the calico gowns, and I turned up my trousers' legs to my knees and got into it. Jim hitched it behind with the hooks, and it was a fair fit. I put on the sun bonnet and tied it under my chin, and then for a body to look in and see my face was like looking down a joint of stovepipe. Jim said nobody would know me, even in the daytime hardly. I practiced around all day to get the hang of the things, and by and by I could do pretty well in them, only Jim said I didn't walk like a girl, and he said I must quit pulling up my gown to get at my breeches pocket. I took notice, and done better. I started up the Illinois shore in the canoe just after dark. I started to cross to the town from a little below the ferry landing, and the drift of the current fetched me in at the bottom of the town. I tied up and started along the bank. There was a light burning in a little shanty that hadn't been lived in for a long time, and I wondered who had took up quarters there. I slipped up and peeped in at the window. There was a woman about forty year old in there, knitting by a candle that was on a pine table. I didn't know her face. She was a stranger for you couldn't start a face in that town that I didn't know Now this was lucky because I was weakening. I was getting afraid I had come People might know my voice and find me out But if this woman had been in such a little town two days She could tell me all I wanted to know so I knocked at the door and made up my mind. I wouldn't forget I was a girl End of chapter 10